This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, one and all, and welcome aboard here on a beautiful Saturday morning. Certainly, that's the case here in Toronto as I gaze out from the uh, Zoomer Plex. How about you, Charlie? What's it like in Prince Edward County? It's gorgeous. Good morning, Frankie. Um, yeah, not a cloud in the sky. Crystal clear blue sky. And um, yeah, a little more seasonal in terms of the temperatures. Exactly. And folks are getting really primed to get out there in the garden and do some <laughs> do some stuff. What, what are the, a lot of people looking forward to doing right about now? We're all just champing at the bit. <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just want to get outside. So don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can. But there's a couple of things you don't want to do yet. And that is stay off your lawn, stay off your garden. Everything is still fine. Uh, there's a lot of moisture in the ground. Um, we don't want to be walking on soil or walking on our lawn, which, of course, is growing in soil, uh, because we don't want to contribute to any of the compaction of our soil. So we've got to stay off the gardens, off the lawns, until they've dried down enough that they're not soggy anymore. But for now, you know, there's things we can do. We can certainly reach from the walkways and the driveways. If you've got big old, you know, ornamental grasses that were gorgeous all last fall and and winter, and you can reach those, cut those right down. It's a great thing to get to uh, at this point. Um, And remember, we did get a a, a tip from one of our our, um, callers a few weeks ago. And she recommended, and it's a good recommendation, if you have any spring flowering uh, trees or shrubs, like apple trees or crab apples or forsythia, any of those that need pruning, and you can get out there and do the pruning now, bring those branches inside, get, those, get them into a vase of water, and enjoy the flowers inside. You got it. Now, let me get the phone numbers on the air, because we'd love to have folks call in to ask a question or maybe offer up a tip or two themselves. Mm-hmm. In Toronto, reach Charlie Dobbin at 416 360 0740. And then anywhere in the province, it's toll free 1 866 740 4740. Please keep in mind our little mantra call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first time caller, let Carlos, our operator, know. And just before you get to the air, you're going to hear that. <laughs> get your garden wings. Yeah. All righty. Oh, uh, you had mentioned that uh, we chatted briefly by phone, and you've got some wildlife stirring there in your area. <laughs> I do, actually. You know, it's going to be a, quite a process, things coming back to, you know, this was a construction zone for the last couple of years, this home I live in. But, um, yeah, I've been I'm getting more birds. I've got blue jays coming now to my feeders, chickadees, lots of chickadees, lots of finches. I even saw a squirrel. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. A squirrel and a chipmunk. We have lots of chipmunks around. So 
I was surprised to see that squirrel because I did plant a lot of bulbs last fall, and I thought, ah, there's no squirrels around here. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see how it goes with the yeah. bulbs. <laughs> you know what I spied uh, lately uh, and last week? Um, our American bald eagle is back. Wow. And, yeah, I was I was actually thinking, Frankie, are you seeing things? Or <laughs> You know, so I, I checked online and found out that there is indeed Southern Ontario Bald Eagle Monitoring Program. Oh. Jody Allaire, the coordinator there, said that uh, there have been sightings, usually in the winter, and it used to be that uh, they, they were... Uh, uh, done in a lot of them by DDT pesticide and habitat loss, but now that's all turning around. And in recent years, bald eagles have been found nesting in various parts of southern Ontario, <laughs> including Peterborough, Hamilton, and along Lake Erie, and up in the northern part of Stouffville, where I live. Wow, so it's pretty very wild. cool. Yeah. Well, at least you won't have any squirrels digging up your bulbs if you've got eagles hanging <laughs> That's around. That's right. You're right. Okay, we have to take a little bit of a break right here, but we're going to come back and say hi to John calling in from Markham right here on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, back to the phone lines we go this week. And uh, first online is John in Markham. Good morning, John. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning. A beautiful morning. Yeah. Sun is shining in Markham, too. It's great. Sun, the snow is almost gone. My favorite plant is a flower, uh, Dahlias. I talked to you about this once before. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to, to uh, get them going. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw Mark Cullen listing that we should start the dahlias in, in pots inside. Mm-hmm. I think he got a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. I got all excited yesterday, so I bought, I already had the bulbs. So I put them in, in the pots. got about 15, 20 pots now with, with dahlias. I used the uh, potting soil. Mm-hmm. Sitting in, the, in the, the sliding door, sun shining, mm-hmm. water them. Now, I thought about myself, is, did I make a mistake? Did I start too early? Because nothing worse than have something sticking up and you don't know what to do when the winter comes to come around. Right, yeah. I know this is a funny time of year. but Because we want to get going and we don't want to go too early. Um, as long as you can provide enough light for those dahlias as they start to grow uh-huh. in the pots indoors, yeah. uh, you'll be fine. If you can't provide enough light, they will get very weak and tall and skinny and start to fall over. So that's your only challenge starting them now. And and I agree. I think it is smart to start dahlias indoors because by the time you can get outside, you know, once we're frost free in, in Markham, that's towards the end of May. Uh, getting them outside into the ground, they're they're really good plants. They're not still dormant. They've got green leaves and green stems, and yeah. before you know it, they're setting buds. So you you get a jump on the season by starting them indoors now. But hey, like I uh, say, careful with the water. Only water as required because remember, there's no growth yet. So the yeah. one watering was fine, and now wait till you see some growth before you go crazy. Because again, easy to overwater them when there's no leaves on them. Okay, now I think I'm trying to beat the nature by being about four weeks ahead. Is that correct? That I would happen, but the soil has to be warm outside too before right. anything can happen in the nature, right? 
That's right. And and you are, do you ultimately put them in the ground, or do they go into pots outside? No, no, no pots. No, I, I take them out. I try to pack them like I take all the plants out of the pots, yeah. Yeah. upside down, and well, maybe I'm lucky. I tried the whole thing in there without the pots. Yeah, no, that's great. The um, don't uh, don't be overly concerned. It's, there's nothing wrong with starting in the middle of March, which is where we are right now. But uh, oh, okay. but light and uh, yeah, and you're not going to go outside until not only is we are we frost free, but the soil has warmed up a bit. So medium medium light. If I slow down the light, that won't slow them down, right? No, now you've got them. You, you now okay, have I'm to follow through now. and give them. What John, you need. we have to. We have to move yeah. along. We're yes, into sir, about our fourth yes. question, there, my friend. When, when can I yeah. put them in the middle of from April and <laughs> May? Yeah, May okay. outside, but lots of light in the meantime. Okay, okay. thank you for your time. Have a great okay. day. Okay, thank you, thank John. You. <laughs> when they get a hold of you, Charlie, you just want to keep pumping for I more know. questions. You know? So, know. folks, really try to concentrate on just one question if you can, okay? I know it's hard sometimes. Okay, we've got a, a note here, an email from mm-hmm. Ann Ottaway from Wyoming, Ontario. Hi, Charlie. Well, I'm wondering when or if I should repot my calathea. It's doing beautifully in my north window, and I don't want to kill it. Seems to be starting to push the sides of the pot out a bit, though. And there's only one little root starting to come out of the bottom. It's in a six-inch pot, and the plant is 19 inches tall. So there you go. Yeah, thank you, Anne. And she sent a picture. It's quite a beautiful plant. It's a calathea. She referred to it as a rattlesnake calathea, which is a very pretty plant. It's a very ornamental foliage. And yes, indeed, I would definitely give that plant a bigger pot. It looks very full in the pot it's in now. So make sure she's in a six-inch. Nothing dramatic here. Go to an eight-inch pot. So we go up one step only. Fresh potting soil. You know, get it out of that six-inch pot. Twiddle the roots a bit because the roots, are, I think, will be quite compacted in that current pot. So open the roots up a tiny bit. Fresh soil, fresh, clean pot. Make sure the pot has drainage holes because the one thing that will kill these plants is lack of drainage. So make sure that there's good drainage holes. Um, get uh, the plant, obviously, into a situation where it's getting sun, bright sun but not hot afternoon sun. So morning sun, eastern window is perfect or northern window, nice bright spot but nothing too hot. And then with this plant, keep moist but not wet. So never let it truly dry out. Uh, but, of course, it doesn't want to be soggy either. So find that fine line between moist but not wet. Okay. We uh, are up to our next break here, Charlie, but we're coming back to say hi to Helen, who's maybe just around the corner here in Toronto, calling in to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, Helen, calling in from maybe, as I say, just around the corner here in Toronto, giving you a little work with this next question, maybe. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Frank. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Helen. Hi. I want to plant some English violets. You know, the gorgeous uh, scent of the violet. Um, What do I do? English violets, as opposed to the native Canadian violets? Well, the one that has that lovely aroma. Oh, I wonder if you're thinking of primroses. No, no, I know primroses. Okay, they're violets for sure. 
Just double checking. Um, oh, oh, hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, see the the violets that I'm thinking of. The the proper name is viol viola odorata, which and odorata because it does have a beautiful fragrance. It is a thing that's native to Europe and Asia. Interesting. I was thinking it was native to Canada. Wood violet, sweet violet, also known as an English violet. Uh, yeah. You know what? This plant can be highly invasive. So depending on what you want to do, how much space you're willing to give this plant, uh, that can be your only issue. That they are lovely. They're easy to grow. Um, they do bloom beautifully in the spring and they are fragrant, but they will, they will jump around your yard. They will come up in your lawn. They'll go to the neighbors. They'll be all over your entire neighborhood before you know it. So if you may, I'd be inclined to say, keep it in a pot, try and keep it more controlled. Don't let it get into the ground just because of that tendency that it has to move places. You don't want it, but, um, but yeah, it, and it's great in a shady spot. They will grow anywhere. They'll grow wet, dry, sunny, shady. They're very, very um, amenable to just about anything. Well, my sister gave me uh, a plant that we dug from our woods Mm-hmm. And it was one, and now it's fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my point. <laughs> so if you've got room and neighbors that are happy to see these things, go for it. <laughs> now, what what is the name again? So Viola, V uh, V as in Victor, I O L A is the Viola. the Latin or proper name for violet, yeah. and then its species is Odorata. So it's odor O D as in dog O R. A-T-A. So Viola odorata is English violet, which, like I say, it's a great plant. And not, you, you can get, you'll be able to find that at any good garden center in the perennial department because it is a perennial. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Thank You're you, welcome. Ellen. Thanks for okay. calling. Bye-bye. A lady with a smile in her voice, huh? Uh, yeah. You betcha. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you, weren't you given some homework to do by Louise in Claremont, I believe? <laughs> For reminding me, Frankie. <laughs> All right. You you know what? It last night week we spoke with Louise. She had this corner in her back area somewhere uh-huh. that was very shady and very moist, and she was looking for plant ideas that would grow in that situation. And it's interesting because a number of listeners we're hearing and also sent in some suggestions via email. So thank you for that, everybody. Uh, I did say I would give do a little research and, and report back. So um, one of our listeners, Diana, suggested coleus and caladium in pots. So, of course, coleus is an annual plant. Caladium is a tropical bulb. So in pots, in that shady, moist area, she had, she's had good experience with that. Um, another suggestion was Solomon seal, which is an early spring blooming, very tolerant of shade perennial. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of my favorites, and that's a fairly tall one, but there are others that are a little bit shorter, like uh, anemone canadensis, which is, again, obviously a native plant, grows about a foot high, green leaves all summer, white flowers in spring. I, ha- I did mention last week wild ginger, acerum canadense. Again, it's a native plant to North America. Wild ginger grows in moist, shady locations, not a very tall plant, very interesting looking. One I've, I've grown in the past and I quite like is Tiarella. Tiarella is commonly known as foam flower because the flowers look like foam. 
and there are tiarella with very interesting leaves, different colors of leaves. So you can get, you know, you can get that great looking foliage plus the foamy flowers. Uh, it's a very short plant. May apples, may apples are fun. And, um, and one, if you like the ornamental grasses, one that will grow in shade and moisture is sea oats or chasmanthium. So, uh, I, but be careful with chasmanthium because it does have a tendency to move around like the violets we were just talking about. So uh, be aware of that. You may have to stay on top of controlling that plant. A lot of information there, and it might be a good time to remind folks that you can always re-listen to the program through our podcasts and go back and pick up some of that uh, really terrific information from Charlie. Uh, have a note here from Nadia Billick, who says, uh, Is there anything I can do uh, with my birch tree to keep the Japanese beetles from sucking the leaves to death? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so thank you for that, Nadia. Um, funny question, because... I have never really seen Japanese beetles on birch trees, but they will eat anything and they don't suck. Um, Japanese beetles have mandibles, like a, a mouth that chews things. They don't suck. So, um, yeah, Japanese beetles love foliage. They will go in any tree and they will chew on the foliage. Birch trees, any of our trees, there's nothing you're going to do in terms of keeping pests off of the trees, except do your best to give the best care to your trees and then they will be happy and healthy and stress-free and then the pests won't touch them. It's pretty interesting how that works. It's trees that are unhealthy, weak, um, in trouble that end up getting infested with diseases and pests. We're never quite sure how that happens, but we know that the, it, it does happen that way. Healthy plants are typically left alone by uh, things like Japanese beetles. Of course, birch trees are very susceptible to bronze birch borers and also leaf miners. So keep that, that birch healthy, healthy. Water it, particularly if we get into a drought situation. Birch have a shallow root system. They are, should not ever be allowed to completely dry out. So watering in midsummer if we get into drought. Mulch, once we get past you know, well into spring, make sure you're putting two to four inches of uh, an organic mulch around the birch, not touching the bark, but around the mulch like a, like a donut. Uh, that will help keep moisture in the ground. And if you need to do any pruning, you've got dead wood, you've got diseased or, or dead um, branches, do that now if you can get out onto the, to the plant. Uh, we do our pruning on birches when they're dormant. So get get to your pruning now if you can, and do everything you can to look after that birch, and you won't have any beetle problems. There you go. Good stuff, Charlie. All righty, we're going to just take the uh, gardener over westbound to Mississauga. There's Charlie on the line. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning to you, and good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning to you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I have been looking around for uh, nectarines and peaches and cherries and plums. Mm. I spoke with somebody with stoke seeds, and they told me they don't carry those. No. Have you any idea where I might get those? You will not grow those from seeds. You will need to buy plants. Um, all those fruit trees are, are grafted. Uh, they are not growing on their own roots. I mean, you could plant a nectarine, you know, eat a nectarine and then plant the, the pit 
and grow yourself. <clears throat> Same with cherries and apples. I mean, you can grow these things from seeds yourself. The problem is they will not survive for a long time. They are, the, the roots, the natural roots that grow from these particular, all those fruit trees are not vigorous enough or, or sort of, yeah, they just don't grow fast enough to, to stabilize the trees in our our world, our environment. So they're typically grafted onto a much more vigorous rootstock, which will stabilize the trees, you know, provide really good anchorage. Because remember, when they've got fruit on them, they are heavy and they need a real good root system. You know who who might be listening right now is our friend John, who also lives in Mississauga, and he is a big fruit tree grower, and he might have a suggestion on a nursery in the Mississauga area that does grow fruit trees. But off the top of my head, have you been to Terra Greenhouses, T-E-R-R-A? They're in Milton. No, I haven't. They will have... They will have quite a selection of fruit trees uh, if you're interested in purchasing some. You know, they don't have to be very big. They'll only be, you know, four four feet at the most. Uh, and you could certainly remember as well, these are plants that you will often require cross-pollination. So if you are going with uh, sweet cherries or you're going nectarines or, or peaches, any of these plants, we, you'll need two of them. A uh, minimum of two plants, and you will need them to not be the same variety. So I hope you have a big yard, and <laughs> you can, you know, provide. I do. Space. Good, good. Well, yeah. So I would, I'd head off now. I don't know if places like Terra are open yet. I'm not sure how it's going to work this spring in terms of the garden centers, um, but you can certainly check them on the web uh, or give them a call and see when they're expecting some of these plants in and when they'll be open for business. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you for calling and being part of our show here on a Saturday morning. Um, Gee, I've got a note here from Franny in Woodbridge. says, "Uh, hi, Charlie and Frank. I'm a long-time listener. Enjoy your program so much. Now I'd like to know when's it time to start the seeds, tomato Mm -hmm. and other vegetables. Also, when I plant them and put them in the hole with sheep manure water, are they... Uh, they are good to go for the first tomatoes. And when do I fertilize them again so they'll not wind up with end rot? Hmm. Uh, okay. So, good question. Um, and I think it's a question a lot of people might have. But our, our uh, sponsor of our show, Stokes Seeds, has a great website. Go to stokesseeds.com. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Once you're there, uh, I'm just trying to think, where did I find this? Uh, so I, I guess it might have been in the catalog area. There is a whole page called General Guidelines for Planting Vegetable Seeds. And there's, you know, a hundred vegetables in this uh, table telling you distance apart, depth of seed, days to germination, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, once you, tomatoes usually we will start indoors. We don't plant the seeds directly outside because we want to get some tomatoes before next frost. So yeah, I would start my, tomato seeds now or in the next two weeks, assuming you have lots of light. Because once those seeds germinate, they need lots of light. Otherwise, they're going to get very spindly, very skinny, and fall over. So you don't want to start them too early if you don't have a very bright spot to grow them in. Um, And then, of course, one of the real other questions Francis was concerned about was the the end rot, blossom end rot. So, yes, indeed, if you're in a pot, you're in a, a soilless mix, you use a very, very light fertilizer once the plant seeds are germinated, a very weak solution of, of fertilizer to keep them growing. And then once you're outside in the ground, it's not as big a deal to get the fertilizer out. But do get yourself some tomato food, 
So tomato food or, or uh, a form of calcium. Get some eggshells going. You've got to make sure that you've got a good balanced nutrient um, mix around your tomatoes because tomatoes are what we call heavy feeders. They need uh, lots and lots of, if you're going synthetic, go with, you know, tomato food. If you're going organic and natural, make sure you've got good quality compost, <clears throat> eggshells, etc., and make sure that's all top dressed around your tomatoes the entire summer. Okay. Uh, let me remind folks of the phone numbers here in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740. I don't know which line Lyndon has used, but a first-time caller. Mm. Hey, Lyndon, welcome to the show from Mississauga. Hi. Hello, and a good morning to you both, Charlie. Hello, nice to speak to you. Hello, good Frank. Good morning. Yeah, welcome to the show. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, it's uh, nice to talk to you. I just came running in off the lawn because you told me you get to stay off the lawn, so I was going out to enjoy the uh, lovely sunshine, but I'm going to stay off the lawn. For Excellent. Good to hear. <laughs> and talk about my subject here. The uh, I've got a, a purple lilac. It's uh, it's about, uh, about 20 years in the ground of five, five and a half feet tall. Uh, it's... Uh, it's it's not flowered at all, no flowering, but it is alive. I can see by the on the uh, on on the stems uh, that it is. It uh, develops about twenty leaves and maybe the promise of a little or a dozen flower buds uh, every year, and but nothing, you know. So I want to know whether or not I should dig it out, or I heard you talking about cutting it back and so forth, and yeah. maybe putting fertilizer in the ground below it uh, to uh, urge it on for this season. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, so you, 20 years is a long time for it to be such a small plant. Is it getting any sun at all, any direct well, sunlight? Well, that's a, that's a good point. It's wide open. It's a full sunshine, good air circulation. There's mm-hmm. nothing crowding it around. I uh, I think it's just been uh, been so gro- so growing because we've ignored it, and it's, uh, it, it realizes it's not wanted. I don't know. <laughs> oh, neglected. Um, well, and when you say purple, could it be that it's a grafted lilac? Does it have like a big sort of a, a, a swollen bit on the stem down near the ground level? Or is it a traditional, you know, lilac, colored lilac? Because I, uh, we've, we've got it in a small pot years ago, I remember, and... Uh, I can't. Um, I can't be sure really what it was. It. Uh, it. It really has not developed any prolific uh, flowers, uh, even when it was young. You know. Yeah, because I'm just maybe we should the, dig it out. The the wild type lilacs, the ones that you plant one and before you know it, you have a forest of them, are very very prolific and vigorous and and take very little care and thrive on neglect. The French violets are the ones that are the named varieties, and they come in all different colors and shades of purples and whites and pinks and spots and stripes and all that. Um, and they are always smaller plants. So what I would do is it's getting lots of sun. Whatever you do, do not prune now. Only if you're pruning, do prune out dead stuff, nothing else. One of the reasons lilacs don't bloom is because people prune them at the wrong time. The only time we really do any hard pruning on lilacs is after they flower. So if yours don't flower, then you just watch in the neighborhood. Other people will have lilacs that flower. And once those are done, which is usually, you know, June-ish, mid-June, late June, do whatever kind of pruning you want at that point to your lilac. But certainly top dressing with some good quality, 
you know, rich organic matter. It's, it's all about that organic matter that will liven up the soil, and with a lively soil, you'll have lively plants. Oh, yes, I see. All right, leave it alone, certainly uh, uh, now, and uh, don't touch it until uh, into June or so. Don't bother to cut it back. And when I'm cutting it back, how, how far to the ground shall I, uh, shall I cut it? Well, the most we would ever take off a plant of that age is one-third. So what you would do is stand back and look at it. You're going to take out any branches that are growing to the inside or any branches that are crisscrossing, damaging uh, each other by rubbing. You're going to take out anything dead. So the dead, the damaged, the disease comes out. Clean cuts, sharp pruners, dry day, all of that will help with healing the wounds. And uh, and like I said, some nice top dressing, maybe some mulch. Afterwards, again, not touching the plant at the bottom, and um, and cross your fingers. Talk to it. Tell it, you know, how much you love it, and maybe it will perk right up. Yes. Now, I also noticed, uh, too, that one of, one of the branches that had come up from the stem, uh, from the ground level, uh, I put my hand on it and moved it back and forth. It broke right off. It had decayed completely, including rotting inside, you know, and it came, it came right away from the, from the base. So, right. So is that maybe a bit of a low spot in your garden? Is it quite wet maybe there? It's that- actually not. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's wide open. I. Huh. Lyndon, I hate to interrupt you. Well, it, it could have been quite moist in there, I guess. Lyndon, yeah. uh, Lyndon, I hate to interrupt you, but we we are right up to our, in fact, exceeded our time for our next commercial break <laughs> yeah. there. So give a call back, you know. You can yeah, always thanks. do that. Well, okay, thanks, Lyndon. Questions. And also just remember, lilacs don't want to be in a wet spot. They need drainage. So okay. if it's a moist place, it might be the wrong spot. All right. Heads thanks. up to Monica Ahrens out there. Uh Charlie's going to be along to answer your email in just a couple of moments after these words from our sponsors. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, a note to to Monica up there in Newmarket. She says uh, in this email, Hi, Charlie. A few years ago, I decided to try something different for my container on a shaded front porch. I picked up a Dracenia trifasciata at the Richmond Hill Society plant sale, combined it with maidenhair fern, and what was then a petite blue star fern that I discovered at uh, Terra Nurseries. Well, as you can see from the photos, they went nuts, and the blue fern is now huge. And she says, I dragged this container into my kitchen in every fall to overwinter. What I've been what I've been seeing though is a white powder that covers the rhizomes of the fern. What is that, and is it a problem? There you go. Uh, okay, so thanks for that, Monica. She also sent some good photographs, which helps a lot with uh, trying to diagnose what's mm-hmm. going on here. Uh, number one, she indicates that she she thinks she's got a Dracaena trifasciata in that pot. It's not. It's actually a Sansevieria or Viera. Sansevieria is commonly known as snake plant or mother-in-law's tongue because of the shape of it. It's a tall, um, kind of spiky plant. So uh, looking at it, I would say, you know what I would do, uh, Monica, either now inside your kitchen or once it's warmer out on your porch, lay that plant on its side, pull that whole mess out of the pot and separate those plants. You have... The, the combination you've chosen has similar light 
requirements, but very different watering requirements. Uh, Sansevieria or snake plant wants to be on the dry side. It thrives in a shallow soil, at low light, very little water, versus the ferns that you chose, which want a much more organic, moist soil. And again, shady spot is fine. So you've got the moisture-loving and the dry-loving in one pot together, and as a result, you've got kind of a, a mishmash of things going on with those plants. So what I would do is I'd separate them, keep the snake plant. It looks great. Maybe get yourself some little shade-loving flowers or something colorful to put around the bottom of those for the porch for the summer and, um, and consider moving the ferns into their own pots and, again, let them do their thing and, and water them as required. Uh, that would be my suggestion. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines here and say hi to Lorraine calling in from Cambridge. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi. Um, I, I missed the first part of your program and you were discussing lilac, so I might have missed this. But anyway, I have a lilac that a branch broke off and I was wanting to force them to... There's lots of buds on them. Uh, I want to force them and I heard that you're supposed to sort of crush the woody stems if you want to put soak them in water. Is that true? Right. Okay, so so this is you have you a broken branch probably in the wind or whatever. So you you severed that branch from the, the main plant, have you, with a sharp saw or no, whatever? It's right off. Oh it is fell right off. Okay. So uh, and how t- long is that branch? Um about ten feet. Woo! Eight wow. feet, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a big boss. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Oh, uh, no, I want to take the little little yeah, branches, the branchlets. Yeah, so what you want to do is you want to take the tips, uh, one foot to two foot lengths off of the entire 10-foot branch, take those all off, then get a hammer, and yes, indeed, with a hammer, you can just tap enough to crush those cut stems, and you're going to do this all fairly quickly, like have a vase ready with water in it. Yes. So once you remove those tips, those one to two foot tips on the, on the initial branch, bang it with a hammer and straight into the water. And the reason we do that, we crush the stems like that, is you want to maximize the surface area for those woody branches to access water, basically to absorb water and uh, force those flower buds that are on the branches to open. So, um, yeah, so you, you don't have to do that, but you will find it'll speed things up. Also, put them into water that is room temperature or slightly even warmer than room temperature. Again, that's going to that's gonna wake them up a little bit faster than a cold, because they're out in the cold right now. So they, they need to be kind of jolted awake with some warmth and some, uh, you know, hammer work. And I think you'll find it'll work fine. Wow. Can they put anything in the water? No. You don't need to, but do change the water every couple of days. Sometimes people will put some sugar or, you know, the old Coca-Cola or whatever, ginger <laughs> ale, flour preservative. It's, it's basically a sugar that will sometimes also kind of force the plant to last a little longer and wake up. Okay. Right, thanks so much. Good luck You're with welcome. all of that, Lorraine. Thanks. Yeah, very nice. Uh, we're coming back in just a moment to accept another first-time caller on the air. Burkle in Brampton waiting online will be to you very shortly here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie Frankie has reached for the bell. There we go. First time caller, Burkle, online from Brampton. Good morning. Hi, Burkle. 
Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you probably know me from years back when we were at the garden show on the next and Dutch store. However, my question today is I have some uh, uh, plants in the basement and uh, I have cleavers in one pot, about five or six in the same pot. And I have some artificial light, uh, three of them, 150 watts. However, they dry back on the tip of the leaves. Is there anything I can do? So so those are just regular light bulbs. When you say 150 watt, those are just like regular. Are they grow lights or are they just regular? No, they're they're grow lights, yeah. Oh, they are. Uh, The tips are turning. Are the lights, how close are the lights to the plant? Well, I have have a big uh, hibiscus which is in full bloom. It's uh, about three and a half feet tall. Hmm. And uh, so I have three of those lights spaced around. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cleavages are, are close by. So uh, I'm not too far from the window either. But uh, I can't stop the dawn drying back. I saw maybe a lack of fertilizer or something, but I don't know. <laughs> Could be. I mean, we even plants that are in the basement know that the days are getting longer. So the the needs of our plants are changing from what they were back in December. They need more water now, and for sure, plants that haven't been fertilized all winter, which they shouldn't have been, would be happy for a shot of fertilizer now. And yeah, the lights three and a half feet away should be fine. Uh, of course, some plants don't need as intense a light as, say, your hibiscus does. So maybe you can move them in such a way that you've got, you know, the the sun-loving or the, you know, the light-loving plants getting the maximum light rays and the others uh, a little more shaded. Yeah, of course, I have the lights on a timer. I have it shut up from 12 to morning, 6 o'clock, but uh, otherwise they're on all the time. But uh, Yeah, I think I've got my lights set up at about 12 12 hours on and off right now. What fertilizer would you suggest? Well, you know what? It just kind of depends what you've got in the cupboard. I mean, I'm a huge fan of 15-30-15 when it comes to flowering plants, but then there's so many other choices out there, too. That's exactly what they use. Yeah, I know. The old RX-15, they used to call that. That went off the market a long time ago, but it it does still work. If you've got old fertilizer, don't worry about it going out of date. It lasts forever. So use what you've got. Thank you, uh, Burkle. We have to kind of bump along yeah, here, my thanks friend. Yeah, for calling. Okay, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and I'm going to try and squeeze in another caller here before we have to end the show. Sharon in Gravenhurst on the line. Good morning, Sharon. Yes, good morning. Uh, good morning, Charlie. I have two hyacinth plants that have finished blooming, and I'm wondering what I can do with the bulbs to preserve them so they will bloom again. Nice. Well, they're not going to bloom again in the pots or in your house. But they will bloom again if you can get them outside. So if you've got a place to plant them outside, for now, keep them alive as green plants. Cut down the what was the flower and allow the green to grow. Treat them as a house plant. Get them in the window, sunshine, water as necessary, even some fertilizer if you like, and let them be, you know, little little green plants. At some point, um, slowly but surely, they're going to start to turn yellow. You're going to 
stop watering based on what they look like. You're going to less water, less water, eventually no water, and they're going to go completely dormant. And then at that point, that's a good eight or ten weeks from now. So you will uh, just put them aside somewhere, forget about them, until you have a chance later this spring or summer or even this fall and get them into the ground in a, what will be a sunny, well-drained location next spring, and they should come up and flower for you outside. I don't have a garden, so what would I do? I'm in an apartment with a big balcony. Then you're going to have to give them... Oh, well, then you just sneak down to the ground floor of your apartment because <laughs> they will not flower again in a pot. Once they've okay. been forced once, you can't force them again. But maybe you have a friend who would like to put, incorporate them into their garden or, like I said, sneak down when nobody's looking and plant them down below <laughs> so you can see them from your balcony. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. And before we leave, Charlie, uh, just a reminder that we've got a special guest coming in next week. I was going to say, not only a reminder, it's an announcement. We never told everybody (laughs) to to check check with us next week because Nikki Jabour will be joining us. And she has been a guest in the past. She's a a wonderful horticulturalist from Halifax. She has her own uh, garden radio show there. She's very active in social media through SavvyGardening.com, but she's got a new book out called Growing Undercover. She's a very, very keen um, vegetable grower. She, I think she feeds her family and the entire neighborhood uh, with the stuff she grows on her, on her lot. Um, so she's got greenhouses, but she's going to talk about, you know, how to be more productive, how to be more weather resistant. God, imagine gardening in Halifax and <laughs> And, I, you know, you can check her right now on Instagram, and she's out there picking something for her salad tonight that she's growing wow. right there on her property. And uh, so she's, she's fascinating, and uh, she'll be joining us next week. And uh, everybody should get ready if they have any good vegetable questions. Nikki will, will help them out for sure. Uh, Charlie, I'm glancing from our studio into the main studio, and there are the guys from uh, Dave's Corner Garage. They're all I set can... to get their engines revving. I can see. I'm watching you on on the web, just so you know. There's no secret from me. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate all your help. And I hope I'll see you soon, Frankie. I want to get into the studio at some point uh, in the next few weeks, hopefully. So uh, thanks again. And thank thank you, you, Carlos. Thanks to the great callers. Keep those emails coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.